You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the answers. says we are good so i'm gonna start going hello and welcome to elsner's a production of galactic network i'm gregor sprague and joining me is alternative Corey sean burns and joining Hello. us is sean scarfo i forgot to ask that's one thing i forgot is did i say your last name right that is correct okay cool um and we're gonna talk to him in a little bit here but before we get to that uh you can find all of our all things on the show including show notes and subscription links over at elsnerds.com and for other info on the Galactic Network programs, you can go to gncasts.com. And on Elsners, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both swear and spoil things without thinking, without warning. So this is your warning. Um, <laughs> alternative, Corey, how you doing? I am doing fantastically today. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. And also, more importantly, Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. That's not a problem. Um, but yeah, so let's just get right into the news. So in lieu of a third segment um, for the third week in a row, at least, um, we are, because there wasn't anything that really stuck out that was a big news story that we could talk about for like 20 minutes. So we got like six shorter news stories um, that we're going to hit. And the first one is that uh, Sony Pictures has acquired a majority stake in Funimation. So, um, how, are any of you guys um, anime fans? Not in a while. Yeah. So, because um, some of the shows that are in with Funimation as a, dis- a distribution uh, company, um, Dragon Ball Z, Cowboy Bebop, One One Piece, uh, My Hero Academia, and the big popular one that everyone knows about, uh, Attack on Titan. Um, but with this this deal, it's to pay. Uh, $143 million for 95% of Funimation. Wow. The remaining 5% is going to remain with Funimation CEO uh, Jen Fukunaga, and he will also remain um, or, and he will also remain in his post as CEO. So this is big. Um, I believe now um yeah, Sony now owns quite a bit when it comes to the Japanese animation uh, side of things because they got Funimation, which has a lot. It's mainly um, American distribution is what Funimation is. Um, but you combine that with Animax and uh, Kid Station. I mean, this is a big chunk of the Japanese animation market um, here stateside. Um. So I don't know how how you guys are like I've I've got a I don't want to say a love hate relationship but I've got a dive deep into it and pull back relationship with um with anime and all that like I know there's a lot of my friends will probably be like 
oh okay cool like that happened sweet so it's at sony awesome <laughs> <laughs> but i look at this i'm like this is pretty cool because this might be like they go like they like they typically go to country crunchy roll um and for all the uh you know watching of the tv shows and stuff like that and i think this could be leverage for sony if they were ever to do a like their own streaming service uh, what, what do you guys think about this yeah i can see it because it gives um funimation extra distribution um, yeah yeah i have a you know a sony tv which has i think it's it has their affiliation with uh, whatever a service called ultra i think it's called for yeah. 4k yeah. for 4k movies and videos and um it would add to their definitely for their platform to be able to do something like that. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Sean Burns, how do you how do you feel about this, Sean? Other Sean Burns. <laughs> Alternative Corey. And I think we lost him. Or oh, no. muted. Who knows? Um, Evan actually asked a, a pretty interesting part of this because the other the other trend we're seeing now is the live action uh, reboots or the, the live action of of um, anime shows. Like I believe we're getting Death Note here soon. But um, Evan asks, you know, will Sony get first rights to make movies out of the Funimation titles? I could see that. I could also see them. They're getting like if it's a, a Japanese uh, title, like you know, being made in Japan, like the uh, um. Oh, like the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood or Full Metal Alchemist movie that's being made over there right now. I could see them getting first rights to be American distri- uh, distributors at the very least. You know, it's still produced by whatever company over there, but here it's Sony or, you know, simply enough, just more Funimation, um, a Sony company. <laughs> Am I back now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, GarageBand decided to take over my microphone, I guess. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to, to anime, you kind of know my thoughts on it already. So, um, but here's the thing. I, I really think the valuation of the company of $150 million, I, as someone who doesn't like anime, I've heard of four of those five titles. Yeah, uh, my hero academia, I don't know, but I know attack on Titan. I know one piece. I know cowboy bebop, but I know dragon ball Z. So for someone like me who doesn't like anime and doesn't know anime, the big titles, I know 143 million sounds like it's actually going to be a pretty good deal for them. Um, you know, and this gives, this gives Funimation the, the, the Sony leverage and give Sony the bigger catalog. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a, much of a downside, uh, except for if you're an anime fan and Sony gets in there and fucks stuff up. But, you know, as long as they keep, you know, they're keeping um, Fukunaga as the CEO. So there's, it seems like they're going to let them continue to do what they're doing. So, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like a good deal. Yeah. So <clears throat> the other part of this is with Sony, um, being the owners and uh sean mentioned it as well with the tv this will also affect that tv behind me right there the vizio is because a lot of people don't know this but vizio is owned by sony um this vizio is america is sony's american 
um, brand. And so it's one of those things like, you know, we could see it tied in more with that. Um, oh, I was hoping this would have, God damn it. The Wikipedia page doesn't have the shows on here. I was hoping it would. Cause I know that I think there's more, like, I want to say ghost in the shell was, um, is one that was owned or that was distributed through Funimation as well. Um, All right. Yep. I think this might have it. Um, but yeah, the whole. I mean, Sean, you're right with the whole. It only being worth 150 million dollars. Like that. Yeah. I mean, that's really. A, it's a lot of money, but I would have actually expected this deal to be upwards of you know 250 or three. Yeah. Know. Like, because I mean, I'm looking at this like uh, another one you might know, Beyblade. Um, that's a Funimation product. Mm-hmm. Um, Devil May Cry, the animated series, uh, Digimon. Mm, oh yeah, Digimon, I know. Yeah. Oh. Um, where's some of the other ones? Oh, there's there's like uh, the Case Closed series. That's another big, um, big show there. But I mean, uh, and then uh, FLCL or Fully Cooly. Uh, is another one that it's so it is really good it's a really good show and actually they're doing a reboot and also like I said f- before Full Metal Alchemist um, those are you know like that's like and I'm only seeing a list of A through F for this <laughs> so, I mean I'm pretty sure if I were to go through I'd be like okay yeah boom 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 there are a lot of people that there are a lot of shows in here that you might not know because you don't watch it but you've heard of like ghost in the shell that th- is a funimation um is a funimation product and all that and it's so it's you know de- there's definitely th- ways that this will affect you going you know going forward and all that which i mean i i've for one look forward to these sony overlords <laughs> <laughs> nice all right, the next story is one that typically we wouldn't usually talk about this on here because we would save this for the resident Doctor Who expert, one Mr. Daryl Johnston. But since he is on break, I figured, hey, we'll take it. Um, Basically, if you're expecting after the 2017 Christmas special, you know, with this being the first, and this will be the first appearance of Jodie Whittaker as the 13th Doctor. And then, oh, yeah, we just got to wait until spring. Nope. Uh, you might want to pump the brakes there because it looks, it sounds like from reports now, um, and this, which this hasn't been confirmed by the BBC, but it looks like we might have to wait until the autumn of 2018 for new doctor who with chris chibnall and the as the showrunner now, now um sean uh not alternative cory um how <laughs> are you a doctor who fan actually no no okay i, could, I try to get into it and i just I, it doesn't capture me yeah, yeah. Oh, I've heard the last couple two seasons. It was it's supposed to be really good, but everything else has been bumped up my list. And I haven't got to it yet. Yeah, I always I always tell people who are Doctor Who curious 
that <laughs> the easiest way to get in into it is with a new doctor because that's what I did. I came in with Matt Smith. Um, so, and I mean, like in his full season, not even the Christmas episode beforehand um, to have the transition. It was just straight up like, boom, here we go. And, you know, we're off. And I fell in love with it ever since, you know, I binge watched these seasons before for the, as they call it, the new who, um, you know, with Christopher Eccleston, David Ten- and David Tennant. And now I've, I'm on my fourth, technically fifth doctor, if you want to count the war doctor and get super nerdy um, <laughs> and stuff on that. Um, now, uh, Bernsey, have you, I, I don't know, did we ask you, you're not a big doctor who fan either, right? Well, first of all, kudos on calling me Bernsey. I haven't heard that since high school, about 20 years ago. So, um, But yeah, no, actually, um, I never was a Doctor Who fan. And then last week, I finally um, gave in to the dark side and said, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try this. And the way that I got into it was I really enjoyed... Um, it started was I watched Broadchurch and I really enjoyed David Tennant's performance on Broadchurch and I liked yep. him in Harry Potter and I liked him in um, uh, Jessica Jones so for me I started with a David Tennant and other than getting past the spinning attacking Christmas tree in the first episode which was <laughs> unbelievably <laughs> easy although I need to find out where they got those ornament hooks because that tree spun at about 200 miles an hour and never lost an <laughs> ornament. Mine can't survive the cats. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I've watched the entire season with David Tennant, the first one, and then I went backwards and watched the season with Christopher Eccleston. And now I'm actually on the second David Tennant season. So, um, no, I wasn't a Dave, Doctor Who fan, but in the last week and a half or so, I think I have become one. Yeah. Um, so for me though it might take me till late 2018 to catch up on everything so this might actually work in my favor um i happens it happened for uh game of thrones it happened for walking dead at one point shows get pushed back but i find when the shows get pushed back they come out better than the ones that are saying you know we rush this through to get it out for the fans well you're not really doing any fan service by doing that because you're you're rushing out an inferior product and um, and and honestly yeah and and honestly this 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 bit of rumor is coming from the latest issue of doctor who magazine um and a interview that they did with stephen moffat the departing showrunner um, so I don't believe you've seen any of his work yet, Sean. Okay. Um, uh, or AKA Bernsey. Um, but the, he says, he says the alternative might have been to have had, uh, had no doctor who at all between Christmas 2015 and autumn of 2018. That seems ridiculous. Like that just seems really strange so he did this where you know he's going to he would take over and do these you know while they're fo- finding a new doctor but this is going back to what it was before you know so during during the david Tennant era of doctor who it, it was a fall series um you know it was it was a you know an autumn fall series and then there might be a little bit spillover into the new year but and then it was i think one of the season seven i want to say 
Um, it was in the Matt Smith era where they did, um, they broke it into two parts. They did, they did like the walking dead does where it's, Oh, here's the first half, you know, starting from Halloween going like Halloween until Christmas. And then we're going to take a couple months off. We'll squeeze in a season of fear of the walking dead because you know, we all love that show, right? We all love that show. Um, and then the, and then cut back to, you know, Walking Dead and stuff. But now with this, I'm honestly, um, so Sean, I'll ask you this: um, Have you watched uh, Broadchurch? No. Or even okay. Um. So yeah, I would definitely check that out. Um. You may have seen commercials for the um, American version of it. I'm forgetting what it was called, but it came out like two years ago. It was on Fox. Um, Grace Point, something point. Um, I don't know. It'll, it'll come to me. But the uh, the showrunner Chris Chibnall, he that was the show that got a lot of people that got oh no a lot of attention from people is that show. And uh, welcome back, Bernsey. Thank you. Uh, Grace Point. Um, it didn't sound right when I said that though. Yeah. But so I mean it's. Definitely something we, that you should check out. Um, I believe we did mention it on the network a couple weeks ago when they announced um, Jody uh, Jody Whitaker as the Thirteenth Doctor. Um, so you can check that out here, both on Else Nerds and on Who Knew and Review. Okay. But yeah, uh, the third news story. The third news story is something that I'm I'm excited for. Um, I loved the. I loved the uh, original Hellboy, you know, the Hellboy movie from 2004 and then the mm-hmm. se- the sequel. Um, and then hearing about this casting uh, or the reboots with uh, David Harbour um, as Hellboy, I'm like, all right, cool, cool. And then it was rated R. I'm like, all right, nice. And Mike Mignola still involved. But they cast a big role in this a key role in this um you might know this guy because he's currently playing mr wednesday on american gods um but he was in um he was in uh, deadwood but the guy uh the actor i'm talking about is sir ian um ian mcshane i don't know if he's a sir if not he should be but <laughs> he is um, he is going to be be taking over the role from, and this is a Doctor Who tie because um, John Hurt played the War Doctor, um, but he's going to be playing Professor Broom on the new Hellboy movie. It's tentatively called Hellboy: Rise of the Blood Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, Hellboy's father. This is great casting, um, and I've got you know nothing, you know, no ill words to, for. Uh, John Hurt's, um, you know, Professor Broom, but it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I loved him in um, you know the second John Wick movie. Yeah, he really sold that. Like, okay, you make a mistake, you're going down, and if he brings that kind of flair to Professor Broom, it'd be nice to see. Oh yeah, definitely. So, are you guys uh, Hellboy fans? I only watched the the first two movies. So that's it. Yeah, 
I mean, that's about where I where I'm at too, and I think a lot of that's because for the comic books, I'd have to be getting into the old. Like they've already come out with, they haven't really released new comic books, which is you know a little bit of a shame. I mean, I'd love to see new stuff, but Mike Mignola is busy as hell doing a whole bunch of other things. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's cool to see all this, and I'm, I'm enjoying this. Uh, Burnsy, what do you what do you think of think of this casting? I'm in the same. Well, I'm in the same position um, as you guys. I've seen the movies, enjoyed them, uh, like the concept of Hellboy. Um, And I only really know Ian McShane, I think, from American Gods, but his performance there was fantastic and and doesn't make me think that anything that he puts his mind to and wants to do, he's probably going to do a good job of it. You know, he just seems like one of those actors. So, um, and knowing the, the, the character from the first two, the first movies and everything, I don't see any reason why he should knock this right out of the park. So, no, yeah. The so this is going to be sound weird, but the first role I have um, ever um, seen Ian McShane in was the and I cannot think of the name of it. I'm looking it up right now, but he was in the um, CBS show that was based on the. Um, Oh, it was based on the story of uh, David from the Bible. And uh, oh, okay, yeah, that one. I'm trying to find it. Is that one of those ones that they usually have come out around Easter time? And no, no, it was a show called Kings. So this is mm. also where, oh, okay. he, yeah, it, it lasted for uh, 12 episodes. He basically played, um. Uh, king saul um he played you know the king before david in there and this is also where i first saw sebastian stan in this so i mean you get winter soldier and you get mr wednesday and uh now professor broom from this show and that's the that's just one of those i like to just more throw out there because you know a lot of people didn't know about it and i love that show um it had this Real, had this real intrigue to it but no i i enjoy this casting i mean i've loved seeing ian mcshane as mr wednesday and yes. and even with the, his role on kings it's I, i'm not gonna say similar because there is some like like conniving you know getting people to do things that they ne- might not necessarily want to do in both of them but it's i could see him easily playing Professor Broom. It's going to be an interesting twist. I mean, if you look through his, you know, filmography from prior, he plays some of the awesome um, bad guys from um, animated movies as well as um, you know a lot of Disney movies, such as uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. He was Blackbeard. Yeah. Uh, you know how much more of a badass on on a ship can you be besides being Blackbeard? <laughs> yeah so I mean, all, all in all i'm looking forward to this i don't, I don't there being, isn't by a being date. bluebeard <laughs> yes, for, <laughs> for audio listeners and the uh viewers who haven't really been able to see sean's beard is blue um, <laughs> but yeah sorry go on <laughs> oh no you're good you're good so the next story is 
Star Wars Episode Nine is getting a new writer. Um, now, don't panic yet. There's no need to panic because I believe this movie is not set to release for until 2019. Yep, 2019. Um, but the so the update there there was an update to the article because originally when it came out they they were crediting uh, Ryan Johnson for um, writing the movie or writing episode nine and he has no and he's not hasn't written anything for it but the um uh Colin uh Colin Trevorrow has been writing Star Wars episode nine and you know it's going to be starting production here soon you know with production starting you know January 18th of 20 or you know January 2018 it looks like we're getting a real quick uh run through um, by a writer named Jack Thorne. Uh, he is a um, he's written a few screenplays, um, including the 2014 film A Long Way Down, um, 2014's War Book, and the upcoming Julia Roberts, Jacob Tremblay movie Wonder. And he's oh wow, he's written uh, or he's developed he's worked on San, the San, Neil Gaiman Sandman um, which is in production hell and will probably never see the light of day will become the, <laughs> will become the new watchman um, product yeah project <laughs> and all that but so I'm I'm excited for this I don't think there's any need for panic yet because I mean you've got I mean gosh it's August you've got four months before they even start production. And I mean, and it doesn't sound like it's drastic rewrites. Like it just sounds like it sounds more like what they're doing right now with the Justice League reshoots, which, like, it's more like you know you, you bring in so, you bring in someone here to, you know, punch up certain parts of it. And I don't know, what do you guys think about this? Could be interesting. I mean, I was very disappointed with you know episode seven. And then they, yeah. then they fixed a lot of the story mistakes with Rogue One, and I was very satisfied with that. Um, if they go back to the original story of Episode One, without fixing any of the story mistakes, it's just going to be a repeat of Episode One, and with something involving another Death Star-like <laughs> device. <laughs> And I think right now we have four out of the, I'm sorry, it's either four or five movies um, dedicated to some kind of Death Star, some kind. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, but I, honestly, I have no idea, and I do not plan to know any idea about Episode Nine because I have not seen Episode Eight yet. I haven't seen, I've seen some pictures but it's not movie stills. It's like behind the scenes or, you know, promotional stuff for the movie. I haven't seen a thing on eight and I've done that intentionally. I I'm going into this as clean as I possibly can. Um, because I already, my, my philosophy with movie trailers is once I see it, like I will watch movie trailers until I, I want to go see the movie. Um, so usually like with like suicide squad, it was, very early on but suicide squad is a good example because they've released they have released like 50 trailers mm -hmm. yeah and so it's like you know okay 
All right, trailer number 37 is the one that finally sold me on the movie. Um, sometimes it's it's usually never that drastic because by that time it's just like, oh, it's a commercial for the DVD release. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go buy the movie now. Um, but I haven't seen a thing on this. I've seen two Thor Ragnarok trailers, and I would have stopped after the first one. Mm-hmm. But I only saw the second one because a friend of mine's like, hey, can you explain the end of that? And I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> um, no, because I didn't want to. Okay, I'll watch it. Fine. I love the trailer. Don't get me wrong. I love the trailer. But it just made me go, I want the movie. Give me the movie right now. <laughs> yeah. well, that's one thing they're doing different with. Um, eight was you hardly see anything online. And compared to episode seven and Rogue One, Rogue One was all over the web, left and right. And now with episode eight, it's like almost nothing besides what they'll release at a Comic-Con or something, and that's about it. Yeah, I think they've done... I think they did their uh, Force for Change again this year with uh, D23, where they had done some things, but it wasn't... Even then, it wasn't a full run of like oh here's no here's our new droid that we have and here's you know here's you know the all the whole cast and look they're sitting around a circle reading the script and stuff like that there, there's nothing like that which i've i've thoroughly enjoyed um the fact that there isn't much there uh bernsey what, what do you think about this about the new writer on this like the fact that episode nine is getting a new writer so relatively closely before uh, production well first off for suicide squad you're wrong um trailer 37 was crap 38 through 46 were decent but 37 <laughs> was crap uh, you know it's first off they've already got the movie written yeah um he's just going to be doing a, a treatment of it you know he's yeah. going to be the, the basics are there he's just going to be fluffing it out and making sure that the thing everything is cohesive so i I'm not worried about the timing uh, because the timing isn't necessarily as bad as it sounds from, you know, Star Wars nine yeah. gets a new writer. Um, I loved seven and I may have been one of those that watched it with, you know, rose colored glasses and it was all nostalgia for me and everything. Cause you know, I'll be honest when the, when it first came up and it said Lucas film, I was like, Oh, here we go. Um, you know, so you had to excuse yourself to go clean yourself up and all ex- that. Exactly. Stuff. You know, I might've peed a little, but that's, you know, um, but the, the whole thing, it, Star Wars is going, I think it's going to be good no matter what they do with it. Cause it's Star Wars. They're not, you know, yeah. yes. The prequels were for the original viewers crappy, but for the kids at the time, those kids loved it, you know, and, and yes, my did. kids, you know, grew up on that. And, you know, my, I've now got a six-year-old who's going to see new Star Wars movies and getting a new feel for it. So, I, I mean, I think they're going to be fine. It's going to make a shit ton of money. To, um, and it's, I mean, if it's drawing the, the, that's the end, right? That's the end of the Skywalker saga is nine. Yeah. That's the end from what I've heard in the past, that's the end of what George Lucas had like planned out. Like he had planned out three trilogies. Um, he just started in the middle and then decided to go into the past and now go, or go into the 
first set of trilogies now going into the to the third set um so i mean we could in theory have you know this is where we get uh into the extended universe um you know focus away from skywalker um and have it focused on you know some other part in the galaxy far far away right i i think this is a bigger deal because of the internet yeah you know i think if this was 20 years ago and we didn't have an internet we we wouldn't you know be sitting around in the coffee shop talking about this story um i just that much i think it's a non-issue you know no, that's, yeah. that's my take on it yeah i'm like I, i'd be more worried if you're it's a movie that involves quite a bit of cgi that's still in the middle of reshoots and the movie comes out three months from now yeah that's where i would be more that's where i'd be more worried about it all right the next news story story number five is that uh warner brothers animations casting director andrea romano has retired um she's been in the you know in the industry the animation industry for 33 years um she's best known as one of the key people in the dc animated universe titles working on everything from Batman the Animated Series to the upcoming Justice League, or sorry, Young Justice the Outsiders. Um, I mean, from reading this, reading this article, reading about, like, the stuff that she's done, like, she, she, she started in there as a casting director in 1984 for Hanna-Barbera. Oh, wow. Um, working, yeah, working on the series uh, The Smurfs and the New Adventures of Johnny Quest. And she's been a, a voiceover director for DuckTales um, before landing, you know, landing over at Warner Brothers for Tiny Toon Adventures. And she has been nominated for an Emmy 35 times and won eight of them. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, this is an impressive career here that we've got. Um, and, oh, wow. So... And the her retirement, I didn't read the last part, which is a hey, keyword here, read the whole article. Uh, Romano's retirement comes after being diagnosed with optic neuropathy in one of her eyes, causing blindness in that eye. So it could be a earlier retirement than what she wanted, but at the same time, I look at this and I, I look I look at what she has done in here, you know, making the casting choices you know she's probably one of the people that we have to thank for you know kevin conroy and mark hamill being you know a lot of people's first choices for batman and joker now yeah um so what, what i mean what, what are your what are your guys's opinions on this i mean we can gush about the stuff of you know the casting choices that she has made all we want right well shoot i mean i would say at least for me you know i grew up on Smurfs and Tiny Toons and DuckTales. Mm. You, you keep naming all those off. And then even later on when you know, the different Batman animated series started kicking out and we've all watched it and enjoyed it at least a little bit, um, for her to be that a large role in that, that's uh, props to her. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would say go to her wikipedia page and look at just like look at her list of work i mean you've got like i've looked in here and, and she's done stuff for 
um you know phineas and ferb she was a voice director uh she was a voice director for the boondocks um Ooh. avatar the last airbender uh legend of Korra, oh, wow. you know voltron legendary defenders and uh, and so it's like you know she's all over the place and so it's one of these things like you look at this and you're like wow this is over the course of what 30 three years. generations three yeah. generations i would say she's affected children's lives some children who just have not grown up yet <laughs> <laughs> i mean she's worked on stuff that you know some people haven't even heard of like snorks like i remember that so much hey, as a kid being... i did underwater smurfs oh yes <laughs> um she, uh go bots i mean the the knockoff transformers yeah <laughs> i mean wow. some of these things that unless you've watched them as a kid you, you wouldn't think people would remember it um jetsons she was involved in the jetsons pound puppies uh flintstone kids jesus she has been involved with all kinds of fun animated um series that's pretty yeah, awesome. and, and that's that's also just the TV stuff I was pointing out. I mean, good, good God, she's done my childhood. I mean, that's basically what I'm getting at. She's done, yeah. she's cast my childhood because she's done, um, you know, Land Before Time two through six, five, um, two through five. Uh, you know, she's done just about every. I think actually every, um, you know, DC animated movie out there she's gosh she's even done um you know video games and all that you know did starcraft 2 she was a voice director for starcraft 2. nice and and she did a really good job casting for in um avatar both of the avatars oh yeah definitely that's the that you know series has probably been a tentpole for nickelodeon for the last about 10 years now Oh yeah, definitely, and uh, it's it's held up very well. Yeah, and she's even done. I mean, she's even uh, done voice work. I mean, she's been in a lot of the movies. A lot of the movies that she was in, like she did, she voiced Martha Wayne in uh, Batman, the two thousand eight film Batman Gotham Knight. Um, you know, she's you know from ninety two to twenty fifteen. She's she's done. You know, granted, they're not big necessarily big roles but they're you know it's more like hey we need someone to do this voice <laughs> you know we, we need someone you know to play you know to, to voice the elevator to be the innkeeper or you know to play you know just like the small little bit part well i can do it yep. and on. yeah um I, I mean, first of all, I suspect Sean and I are, are around the same age as he was r rattling off those uh, Saturday morning cartoons he remembers fondly because I remember all of those same ones. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this this woman has an incredible career and, and I'm a huge Batman fan and Batman the Animated Series was the thing more than anything that got me into Batman. Uh, and like you mentioned, Kevin Conroy and... Um, Mark Hamill, and even some of the later, like I've been watching The Batman on uh, Netflix, yep. and some of their takes on the characters 
are really kind of bizarre. Like for some odd reason, the Riddler is very reminiscent of uh, Marilyn Manson. And mm -hmm. it, it's just like kind of bizarre. Um, but the voice acting on it is always on point, you know? And so if she's the person who's responsible for the casting and then the, the voiceover directing, I, I gotta hope that DC doesn't take a hit on this because DC's animation has always been one of the things that, you know, the, the movies haven't been well received or as well received as the Marvel, um, of tends to be DC better, more well-received, but the animation stuff, DC is light years ahead of what Marvel is doing for most people. And if this is the person that was responsible for casting that and directing it, you know, we got to just hope we get lucky and get someone as good because this woman was, you know, knocking it out of the park for 33 years. And I mean, eight Emmys, that's, you know, that's quite a few on her, on her mantelpiece there. So, um, you know, it's a real shame that it had to come to an end because of uh, some sort of illness. But, you know, hopefully she can enjoy her retirement and live off the fruits of that work that she did and, and be well appreciated by the fans. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I sorry, I got distracted by going down the link rabbit hole while you were talking. <laughs> um, but it gives us a great way to go into our next, our our final story of the evening, and that is, um, so some hackers got a hold of some stuff from HBO, and have leaked. I believe it was like seven episodes of the uh, of a uh, HBO series Ballers, starring The Rock. Um, have released, have gotten information on Game of, you know, the next coming, the forthcoming se uh, episode of Game of Thrones. And this, this is one of the weir weirdest hacks I've ever heard of because they asked, they were asking for ransom money, like, you, you know, and stuff like that. It wasn't like, all right, here, you know, release it all out. It was, you know, first first reporter to get a hold of us, we will give you an interview. Like, wait, so why are you doing this? <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, Sean uh, Bernsey, you actually uh, brought it to the docket. So, you want to explain this a little bit? Yeah, I, you know, I think HBO just got lucky on this one because what got released is minimal impact, I think. Um, they got ballers, which let's be honest, have is a great ballers? show. Is it, it? Is a great show? Do I've not talk about the Rock. You come in and kick your ass. <laughs> no, I wouldn't talk bad about the Rock. I like the Rock. I just I've never gotten around to this one, and it's never been a sh like nobody has ever come to me and say you need to watch ballers. You need um, to watch it's, ballers. It's, watch ballers. I get it. Uh, but <laughs> you know it. it Game of Thrones, I think, is the big piece, and they only yeah. got next week's episode. So the impact of this that is they've released. That, that this yeah, is they, supposedly, they supposedly got one point five uh, terabytes of data, which yeah, that could it could be like you know very few episodes, or it could be a whole crap load of stuff that they haven't talked about yet. Don't know even what they probably don't even know what to do with some of it. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking at the the article and it 
Oh, for God's sake, these ads. Um, I'm looking at the article and it says that uh, so far an episode of Ballers in Room 104, which is a show I've never even heard of, um, have been put online. And there is also written material that's allegedly from next week's fourth episode of Game of Thrones. All right, that doesn't even sound like they have a whole script. That sounds like they might have some lines or a page or two or something. So I don't know. Unless I see more coming out of this that I don't, I think that they've really kind of dodged the throne, uh, dodged the throne, dodged the <laughs> bullet on this one <laughs> or dodged the throne. Either one. They both work, I guess. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking up real quick. Cause I was curious room one Oh four is written is created by Jay and Mark Duplass. Um, which, uh, Mark Duplass was on the league. Um, he played Pete on the league and, uh, oh, okay. Jay Duplass is on, um, transparency. He okay. plays the son in there. And they they had a show last year or two years ago called Togetherness um, that they created and all that. Um, but it's an anthology series set in a single room of an average American hotel. Each episode tells a different story of the assorted guests who pass through room 104. The stories range from a, uh, from funny and romantic to sad and scary. It honestly sounds like the show boring version of american horror story well there's that or the um the show that's coming out on tbs um the guest book that mm, is, yeah. it looks that but that looks like it's solely going to be a comedy hmm. and stuff like that but no so that it's i'm curious now about room 104 not curious enough to go watch the pirated um you know works because I like HBO. I want to support them in their doings things. And basically I try to go legit as legit as I possibly can. But yeah, so my hope honestly is that these, these hackers have, you know, with doing this, they've decided, you know, that they're going to do the right, do the ethical thing. I should say not necessarily the right thing and give and, you know, say, Hey, HBO, this is how we did it. You know, we've done this stuff. Um, you've acknowledged that we've done this. Here's how we did it. Because that's how a lot of hackers that I know of get jobs, you know, for these big, you know, these big companies, you know, the government is they exploit a hack and then, and then now they've got, uh, now they've got, you know, their new, you know, here, here's a new job because, hey, find me more. Where, where else are we? are we missing you know with holes in security and all that who knows i mean, I mean this is so fresh that who knows if that's even going to happen i mean as much as i love hbo ballers isn't on my top five of favorite shows but i st i still religiously watch it but <laughs> it is not my in my top five shows and I think releasing those episodes aren't probably going to hurt it very much, especially since um, you know, Ballers left Florida, left Miami to yeah. do this season. Um, that's why a lot of stuff, you know, if you haven't seen this past episode, is in Vegas. Yeah. Um, as for the script, I understand why you know the creators are very sensitive to any kind of script leaking out. 
It's it's that anticipation that gets you to watch next week. It's that anticipation yeah. that makes you like fiend for it more. Like my thought this past week is, well, where the hell is Arya? We didn't see her at all this this past week. Yeah. So she's gonna pop up next week. Um, and and I, there's a part of me that thinks that that's why they're doing some of the things like this. To where you have, you know, they only they, they did look at this and go, okay, what can we release from the the one point five terabytes that we've got that is not going to necessarily get the you know the most the most punishments, but is going to get us on the radar. So, okay, they released. I I don't know if it was just the one episode of Ballers or if they released a couple. And then the episode from Room Room 104, but then they only did this with them only doing the script thing for Game of Thrones because they knew if they released Game of Thrones, HBO, like if they they released any video footage from the next episode of Game of Thrones or, you know, like the season finale or something like that, that HBO would be on them like like a bloodhound and all that. So, I mean, I, I feel like they're playing it smart, but at the same time, I'm, I am not cheering them on at all. Like, right. <laughs> I would agree with that. I mean, I it definitely am not coming down on the side of the hackers. And even if the like, even if they did release the the season finale of Game of Thrones, I know there'd be a lot of people who'd want to go and look at it so that they could know before everybody else. But I think the majority of fans, I mean, uh, yeah, that and Walking Dead are probably the two shows that people go to the greatest lengths to avoid spoilers. And this is like the ultimate spoiler for Game of Thrones, um, short of, you know, George R. R. Martin or one of the, the two guys from HBO that do the show come out and say, OK, here's how it's going to end. You know, other than that, I, I think, you know, the majority of, of the fans are not going to go out and try to get this. So. I hope you're right, and I hope that this is something that they're not going to keep releasing information from. But on, at the same time, I don't think it's... I think people are making a bigger deal out of it because Game of Thrones is involved. Well, yeah, it's it's a big, big, big moneymaker. And it's probably one of the top TV shows of the last decade. Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yep. And... The, another big thing is you know, every time you know a episode gets released, um, they got to pay a uh, a deductible to their to their ENO uh, errors and omissions insurance. So for every episode that gets released, they got to pay that'd be a fifty thousand dollar deductible, just so that they can get any kind of money to try to start scrubbing all that information off the the net or otherwise. Um, you do that a couple of times and that's just going to start to hurt. And yeah. then, and then when you go to get, um, you know, you know, insurance after the fact, you know, for your next season, your premium just doubles or triples or quadruples. So instead of costing, you know, a million dollars for the whole season, Oh, now it costs you $3 million. No, yeah, definitely. And that's, something to think about so i don't i don't know we'll we'll see where things go from there um you know with the hacks and stuff but yeah so uh real quick before we get into the else fuse i want to give you i want to give a quick shout out to one of the ways that you can uh support us help us out here at the network um uh, if you, and uh dave sent me something to read so i will read it 
Um, if you would like to get an extra podcast from time to time, like a you know, like a rundown of new comic books hitting the shelves, um, please consider becoming a partner with us. Go to gncast.com slash support and click on the Patreon link. Just make a monthly pledge on our partner plus tier and more extra content will be coming soon. Um, we also have different rewards on our other levels as well, like getting your name mentioned on our podcasts or having a month of messages read as a partner pro. Um, again, be, to become a partner with us, go to gncasts.com slash support. I highly recommend that. The other part that you will get in the uh, gncast.com slash support is the Amazon affiliate link that we have. That's super easy. You click that link, go through the, um, you know, go through the process of, you know, doing your shopping when you get done. Check out pay. We get money from Jeff Bezos. I like that idea. I mean, it's, you know, it's money from Bezos. Um, but yeah, both of those can be found at gncasts.com slash support. And it is time for the else views. This is the part of the show where we talk about the movies, music, TV shows, video games, um, books, comic books, everything that we, that has been, that has been populating our minds throughout the past week or so um and uh sean as our guest i will have you go first because also me and sean get to talk about it again but um <laughs> what are you bringing to our table this week this week is spider-man homecoming um you know there's obviously um articles talking about how in this specific movie you the viewer never sees um, peter parker uh, uses spider sense yeah um and i noticed that but it didn't take away from this movie and it was left out like it was a non-big deal and because there was so much action going the, on the entire time i'm sorry the entire time you really didn't even notice it unless you yeah. were you know, looking for really digging for it and even the um his origin is completely missing from this. Completely missing for it. Sorry, guys, if I'm spoiling this for you. Oh no, uh, we are past the part of spoilers. So, <clears throat> yeah, Vince Gilligan rule two weeks. Yep. Yep. So, any uh, one that's listening that hasn't watched, I apologize now. But there is no origin story for Spider-Man, and he he talks like two seconds about um, bit by a spider, and that was it. Yeah. Um, now. Now, so um, how? Let me get a little bit of backstory or background from you. Um, are you a comic book fan, or where's where were you coming at from this or going into this movie? Um, just from prior Spider-Man movies and other comic book movies. Yeah. All right. So, what did you? So, what did you think of the fact that they didn't have the origin story? What for? What would have been the third time? You know, not even a mention of Uncle Ben. Yeah. Yeah. That. Um... That was a surprise that they kind of bypassed that altogether. Um, but I think at this point, I, I think the audience just wants Spider-Man. Yeah. They just wants the action, the, the comedy, the sarcasm, um, just to get to the meat and potatoes of his story and antics versus, okay, okay, we know he got bit by some kind of spider somewhere, somehow. And we know Uncle Ben isn't around for whatever reason, let it be his fault or otherwise. Um, 
it, you don't have to beat the horse into the ground. And I think that's what they really did well with this specific version. Um, this version does have some holes in it, in my in my opinion, compared to the pre prior ones where um, I like Tom Holland, but the character he plays is too young. Like he, he seem the character seems like he's you know 14, 15. And in uh, the rest of the universe, he's always older, 18, 19, 20, 25. I haven't seen a 14-year-old Spider-Man before. It's So with that, it was something that was done originally in the comics and gets done in the um, cartoons. So the um, you know, we, we spoke earlier in the news with the um, with uh, Andrea retiring, um, Andrea uh, Romano retiring, um, you know, she she did a lot of stuff from our, from all three of our childhoods, um, but one of the shows that was in my childhood was um, the Spider Man the '94 uh, Spider Man TV show that aired on Fox, and he was in high school in that. Now it went on long enough to where he graduated high school, went to college, and you know after that, but that was sort of the problem I had with the previous two is you cast. You cast Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, Joe Manganiello to work for where he's playing. In the first movie, he's playing around the same age. I think he might be a year older. So, But we're looking at 15, 16 years old, and they're 25. You know, they're older. They look older than – and this is coming from a dude who's who's looked older his whole life but they looked older than what you would typically think of a you know 15 16 17 year old looking and then you get to amazing spider-man with andrew garfield and uh emma stone mm -hmm. and they look like this is a 21 jump street approach here like they look like they're uh you know i'm blanking on the uh channing tatum and jonah hill coming in like hey we're just teenagers and stuff like that <laughs> um this actually seemed like okay yes he's a teenager if we're gonna do this which i i agree with what you're coming from because i would rather see him be you know like a in college you know because then it's where you get a lot of the more of the classic stories of him taking the photos of spider-man um you know and sending them to the daily bugle this is also where we could get uh uh you know Jane Jonah Jameson back mm -hmm. and I say back I say back because I do not accept anyone b uh, besides I'm blanking on his name god damn it uh J.K. Simmons J.K. Simmons thank you yeah like I I do not accept anyone but him <laughs> <laughs> now there's certain actors that cast in certain roles and it's their role now forever you just can't redo it um it's interesting Sean that you picked this article because we discussed this specific article before the movie came out but we didn't really revisit it afterwards. And I would almost take issue with the article saying that Spider-Man doesn't have a spider sense. I think he did in that movie. I just think it was the suit. You know, this suit that we see in the movie is so much more technologically evolved than any other suit that I've ever seen Spider-Man use. And I think that the spider sense just kind of, because really do spiders actually 
have a sixth sense about things, you know, that always that that one particular ability of his always kind of made me, you know, it was always a, a showstopper for me to the point of it took me out of things because it's like, okay, why can he detect this? What about a spider makes him able to do that? And so they kind of removed it from the character and put it as technology in the suit. Well, I, I'm going to have to disagree in, in regards to how how it was important. I mean, shoot, we're talking about a comic that has like Doc Ock and Croc, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people that can, yeah, <laughs> people that can be a, a different animal altogether, a different being altogether, and yet we're con- considered or considering a spider sense being abnormal. Um, but with this, it didn't focus on. It wasn't focused on that. It wasn't there. It just focused on everything else that was and pushed to the limits. And also showed his flaws, where he's more curious than he should be. Yeah, um, I do like and, that part. Was really nice. Yeah, and I agree with you there. I mean, I I didn't miss it in the movie, even having discussed and read this article ahead of time. Fans go to see Spider-Man for two things, web slinging and one-liners. And this movie's got a ton of web slinging and a ton of one-liners. And it's exactly what you want out of your Spider-Man. You want those... I mean, still in my mind a couple weeks later, the the most uh, memorable scene to me is when he's running through the backyard of the house and they're watching Ferris Bueller's day off and the scene (laughs) of Ferris Bueller running through all the backyards... And as he's running past, chasing the bad guy, he just kind of looks over and goes, oh, great movie, and keeps going. And it's like, that's what I want out of Spider-Man. And this movie delivered that, it, you know, in spades. So um, I, I didn't miss it. I totally agree with the points that you're making, that it was a really good movie. Um, and this just, it wasn't focused on, so you just don't even notice it's not there, unless you're looking for I, it. I honestly think that what this will do, or at least what I hope this will do, that Spider-Man Homecoming is these big tentpole franchises, you know, your Spider-Mans, your Batmans, your Supermans, um, that when they, you get a new movie from them, when inevitably, inevitably they, you know, reboot the franchise that they can go, well, do we need to do the origin story? No, no. Why do we, you know, I can understand for some of these, third or fourth tier comic book characters mm-hmm. you know like of course yeah we're going to need an uh you know an ex- explanation on who the elongated man is or who stilt man and 3d man or are. Shoot, are even popular in let's see iron fist like, yeah i had no clue who iron fist was until i saw the show yeah and and so it's like um and so pro- it's probably where you know like like I'm trying to think of of one that's coming out that wouldn't have so like like the Inhumans. I mean mm-hmm. that's one that you could probably you, you know you might need a little bit, but that's but even then with that it's such quick backstory. Like I'm trying to think of a Marvel character or DC character right now that is obscure. Well, I, I think like Captain Marvel, a lot of people beyond yep. comic book readers, I don't think know as much about Captain Marvel. So I think when that True. movie comes around, you're going to have to have more of a backstory there. Yeah. And and there's, but I think with the bigger, you know, like 
these ones that have been successful now, um, especially Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, um, Captain America, they don't need a backstory. We, we, we don't need to see Uncle Ben die again. We yeah. don't need to see the Waynes get killed. We don't need to see Krypt- or Krypton blow up and all that. You know, it's like it, it's it's one of those things like if it's happened enough times to where it's in pop culture. I think we can, you know, like, you know, in like everyone can quote it, you know, even a, a three year old who hasn't seen a, a superhero movie can quote it. Then I think we can skip it. Yeah, I I don't remember who it was, but I heard somebody talking about this, and I think this is a great idea that every superhero movie can should adopt, and that is old way of having opening credits, and while the credits are going in the background, you tell the origin story in ten to fifteen panels. So as the credits are rolling, you're looking at the pictures in the background of Uncle Ben and getting bitten by the spider, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you don't have to tell it in the story. You know, the yeah. movie starts and you take from, you know, you take off from there. And there's there's pros and cons with with either side of that. And mm-hmm. the pros is that it gets it done quick out of the way. Um, but in some aspects it can suck the soul right out of it unless this story's already been told. Yeah. Like like I, like let's let's think back to say um more the current show daredevil you know if you just showed his 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 history and panels instead of doing the flashbacks during the show the showing what he's went through it would suck the soul of out of what he's become and and why he is the way he is versus if you do that say for today's batman or even superman um well you already know the general story of what's created those heroes and it doesn't you know, suck the soul out so much. You just want to get to what makes it really great, such as um, you know, latest Batman versus Superman. And you didn't have an, you know, a real origin story of Batman this time. You had an origin story of Superman, and, that was, and that, even that was truncated really short. Um, and you got right down to what was driving that story for this particular time. Yeah. But in regards to this this past Spider-Man, um, I gotta say they, I don't know, I, I wasn't enthralled. I wasn't sucked into the moment like it was on, on a prior Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield or even Tobey Maguire even. Um, it seemed like, okay, this is a cool thing. Let's do it. Let's show it off. And okay, at the very end, there's, you know, Michael Keaton as the bad guy which was freaking epic casting. He is to me, the ultimate nice bad guy. Yeah. The only other for honestly, for the vulture. Um, and this is coming from, you know, Spider-Man is my favorite comic book hero period. Full stop. Um, there was rumors with, uh, Sam, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies that the vulture was going to be the villain for Spider-Man four. And that some casting rumors were of John Malkovich. Now, going from the comic books, that's a great casting choice. I mean, because John Malkovich has the look of of the comic book Adrian Toomes and all that. Um, but that this is not definitely not to take anything away from 
uh, from Michael Keaton. I loved Michael Keaton as this. And also, I would, and I will ask you this: Did you see really see uh, uh, Michael Keaton's uh, the Vulture as a villain? I would say no. And that was the one thing great. That's why I call him the the, the best bad guy, the best nice bad guy there is. And where at the very end, he could have sold him out and said, hey, this is who he is, or this is where you can find him. You know, at very minimum, this is where you can find Peter Parker or find yeah. Spider-Man. And he didn't. So it showed kind of a different tone versus um, even other Marvel movies that I've seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, and even then, you go past that, you get the, uh, you get him doing, you know, like all the stuff he's doing. He's not doing it to be bad, you know. He's not doing it after a mental breakdown like Doc Ock had in Spider Man Two, or the psychosis of the Goblin Serum like the Green Goblin had in the two movies that he was in. I mean, it's just him trying to provide for his family. It's, um, yeah, and you know, it's him thinking, you know, feeling like he's getting squashed on by the government, yeah, and stuff like he's that. He's the he's the quintessential um, sympathetic bad guy in this. Yeah. Uh, you you feel for him. You don't agree with what he's doing, and he damages and does bad things. So you can't give him a free pass, but you certainly can understand you know in law i guess they call it mitigating circumstances that surround what he's doing yeah um you know he did he got completely screwed in the beginning of that movie uh you know and, and his criminal activities were as a response to that to be able to continue to provide for his family you know but still the bad guy still hurt people so but I will give the movie credit on a big thing. I usually see those big twists coming a mile away. And I was truly shocked when it was Michael Keaton that opened that door. Still to <laughs> me was really just like, oh my God, I can't believe they just did that. Yeah. Well, I still love the whole, you know, the humorous uh, dad talk in the, the car. Yeah. yeah the, the classic dad talk, like, Go ahead and you know, hurt my daughter and see what happens to you, kind of thing. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Yep. All right. So, Sean, do you want to do your or Bernsey? You want to do yours, uh, Marvel Munchkin? Sure. I'm so assuming I, the board game. Uh, the card game. Yeah. Um, yeah. The I was having trouble coming up with one because, you know the. Literally what I've done this past week, and I keep using the word literally because I've been watching Parks and Recreation, but I've been <laughs> going back and watching shows that I missed and I in my nerd cred. And I've started watching um, Star Trek Voyager, and I've started watching Doctor Who. And I can't really come on and recommend those shows <laughs> because I'm like one of the few that haven't seen them. Um so what I came up with is a game that we've been playing um, a lot over the summer and the, and the couple of months before summer, and that's the Marvel version of Munchkin. Uh, it plays a lot like Munchkin. There's a few different variations to the uh, the Marvel edition, but places like your um, 
classes and, and things like that with actual superheroes that fight by your side that have you know stats and right, uh, weapons and you know for in- instance Thor's hammer like say three you know for attacking but if you also have Thor then the hammer's worth five you know so it gives you bigger advantages if you can combine the right cards uh you know similar to in munchkin where you have things like you know um you know this is a plus three or plus five if you're a cleric um and then you know same thing you kick in the door and with kicking in the door instead of having the weird funny uh monsters that munchkin's known for it has the the villains of the marvel universe uh, and it's just a lot of fun, you know, and it, it does the same same mechanics basically as as Munchkin where you can recruit people or people can offer to help and you can split the treasure, et cetera, et cetera. But um, the Marvel, like Munchkin is great cake. It's that wonderful best icing, you know, so yeah. it's been a lot of fun. We've got the... The first and second parts, there's a third part that we haven't gotten to yet um, to buy, but uh, it, it's a blast. Me and the kids, uh, my kids, uh, 14, uh, 18, and 20-year-old play this with me as well as my fiance, and, and you know, we all have fun, and the six-year-old gets to sit and watch because he knows all the characters and stuff, so he enjoys watching too, uh, even though he's not you know quite old enough to be able to comprehend how to play. Um, he still enjoys it. So, you know, if you've got a family, you've got some kids or, you know, or you're just a big Marvel nerd, this is a fun game and it, it retails, I think for 20 bucks. So it's really not uh, bad at all. No, yeah, that is, nice. that is awesome. Um, it's one of those that I, um, I had been l- like looking at, I, like I got the, the base munchkin. I've been looking at the super or superhero munchkin because the art is done by um i believe it's either franco or art baltazar um the guys who do little archie uh tiny teen titan or tiny titans um they do the, the it's a great art style that is done um and all, but and i did not know that they had marvel munchkin actually went no i take that back i think they advertised it in the comic books i forgot that they did marvel munchkin i'll put it to you that way <laughs> But yeah, I'm definitely looking at I'm definitely looking at uh, adding that to my board game library. Library. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's not a very long game. It's the same as Munchkin. It's you know, yeah. There's a little bit of a time commitment, but you know, it's not like sitting down to play Catan or something. Or no, Catan, yeah, it's it takes it's being pronounced tonight. Yeah, it takes as long as you want the game to go, because you can definitely mm-hmm. in this game you could definitely be a dick. And just be like, oh, you're at level nine right now, and we we win at ten. Um, and you got this monster coming up. I've got all these cards that can just fuck you over. Guess what? Fuck you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my kids see, are very good at being vengeful in that game, and I don't know if I raised <laughs> them correctly or that scares the hell out of me. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, yeah, definitely check that out and we'll have a link to it in our show notes as well as, you know, the movies that myself and Sean have talked about. Cause I'm going to talk about another movie. Um, I'm going to talk about a movie that came out a couple weeks ago. Um, and also much like, uh, one of my favorite ty- uh, films of the year, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 has a killer soundtrack. 
and that is Baby Driver. Now, this is written and directed by Edgar Wright. You might know him from Scott Pilgrim or any of the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, um, Hot Fuzz, uh, Shaun of the Dead, and The World's End. Um, and this, oh, that was okay. Sorry, I'm reading the Wikipedia page right now, and I was I was I had caught the a cameo by something, but I didn't realize it was for a music video that Edgar Wright had directed in 2003. But anyways, this movie, you follow the, um, and also I will include in the links, a, a YouTube video that has the opening, like three minutes of the movie, um, side-by-side comparison, because it's all set in Atlanta, with the um, locations, like actually like Google map tracing out the path that the cars take um, for this movie, but uh, Baby Driver stars the um, or follows the title character Baby, who is a young getaway getaway driver with a great love for music, um, and who is coerced into working for a kingpin played by Kevin Spacey. From top to bottom, this ca- the casting in this movie is great. Um, you know, you get. You know, you've got Jamie Foxx and John Hamm and John Bernthal, um, Ansel Elgort playing, um, you know, Baby and Lily James playing the love interest. Um, oh, every uh, Flea is in here um, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And they're all great. It's all great in here in this movie. Um, the car uh, like this has been uh, Edgar Wright has been like I said working on this since 2004 um he I feel like this this movie will be nominated for some sort of Oscar Academy Award Emmy um at the very least for the choreography because every um Ansel Elgort in here he with how he moves, it's like he's dancing. Um, I should point out that the, the reason why he has one of the reasons why he has this love for music, you find, is that the um, he has tinnitus, and so he listens to music to drown out the ringings in his ears. Um, and he has like fifty thousand different iPods, like all the older uh, click wheel iPods and stuff, and the this is one of the few movies that i've seen that the i think the only movie i've seen that they did choreography to gunfights to go with the songs um and this you you will notice um with the you know if if you get the 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 uh, song titles from there, you know, you start with Bell Bottoms by John Spicer or John Spencer Blues Explosion. There's 30 songs for this soundtrack. Um, some of which they don't play all of the show or all of the songs, but it seems like every time you you go you you're do you're watching and there's a scene, there's this light undertone of the music. Um, one of the great scenes I will I will explain a little bit in is with one of the heists they're getting ready um and the uh, baby is listening to tequila um the you know the song from the button down brass and um 
the 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 guys who are supplying the guns who are dirty cops go what's he listening to and jamie fox goes over there and goes and it gets right to the point of tequila and all that then transforms into a gunfight because of ways that happen and they're shooting bang 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 to the songs i'm like wait that's not just that's not just the sound that's the muzzle flash holy shit they choreographed the gunfights and more than just like matrix you know like bullet time effects they choreographed to music what i walked out of this movie loving it like the car racing the story um there are talks right now um of of a potential um, Sony and Edgar Wright were in, are in discussions for a potential sequel to the film. It sets itself up for that. I would love that. I hope it takes a lot less time than 23 years. 20, uh, I think, yeah, 23 years or so for this to happen. Um, but yeah. So neither of you guys have seen this, right? No, I haven't seen it yet. I, I honestly recommend this. I mean, the the soundtrack alone is good, but the story that they're telling, it is a classic story of, you know, the, you know, baby he's got, when you come in here, he's you realize he's being coerced by Kevin Spacey's character to do this, to pay off a debt. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, you, you, and, you know, now you're, you're you're all owed up you're all settled up and stuff um but then where it goes from there it's like oh wow you realize baby is where he is doing it's a lot like the vulture where he's doing bad things he's doing them for the good reason and he's never um he if he can help it he tries to eliminate as much death as possible um you know he's he still has his moral compass which is great to see in here and it's like i didn't this is one of those movies where i didn't see the you know the turnarounds of the characters like these character switches um like i did with last week's uh choice of valerian um where i was able to pick out like bad guy like 10 minutes into the movie <laughs> um and all that. but yeah i i highly recommend it um, and actually, I want to get the soundtrack. And also, a nice little side jag. Um, for the soundtrack, Edgar Wright consulted with James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, um, to ensure the two films did not feature the same songs on their soundtracks. Oh, that's smart. Yes, that is smart. That is cool. I'm like, you guys are brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> So, with all that being said, it is just about time to wrap it up here with us. But before we go, um, Sean, why don't you tell people more about you and what you do and um, where they can find you? Oh, my. Um, well, no pressure, uh, right? yeah, no pressure. No pressure at all. Um, in short, uh, I'm an audio, all-around audio guy. Um, anything audio, I usually... Uh, get my hands into and like to play around with. And um, I usually help out people with uh, their personal projects. Um, I have a site called uh, audio-ace, 
uh, .net. And basically, I help people record and produce better audio. Nice. All right, and where can people? Uh, are you on the Twitters or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I have a, a Twitter called uh, um, Ask Audio Ace, and if you tweet at me like that, I usually respond within an hour or so. Nice, cool. So that's Audio Ace, Audio Dash Ace dot net, and yep. then Ask Audio Ace on Twitter. That's right. Sweet. And so that is going to wrap it up here for us. Um, we mentioned before the Patreon, you know, gncast.com slash support. Um, if you want to leave us any feedback whatsoever, you could uh, always contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or sending us an email at mail at com. And all these subscription links and options can be found over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. Galactic Netcast will find, you know, in your various uh social medias will find us um you know wherever they might be whether it be facebook over at facebook.com slash gn uh or galactic netcasts twitter at at galactic netcasts the, our show is at else nerds you can follow the producers beatmaster is over there at beatmaster 80 evan is at mr underscore fusion um cory is at don't ask comics.com he will be back relatively soon um, for those of you guys who are wondering, he is fine. Um, the car may or may not be totaled, so he's just having car troubles. That is why he has not been on. Um, and Sean, we can we can find you your stuff at S Burns PA. But there's, I'm seeing two new links in here, two new Twitter links in here. You care to explain those? Yeah, so um segue like to cheap plug. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um yeah, a show that I have done previously with my son Kevin, uh exploring the X-Files is all set to come back. Uh I've got a new co-host. Uh her name is Ariel Jane. She's also the host of uh Murder Under the Midnight Sun. It's an Alaskan true crime podcast, and it's really wonderful. Uh, you should definitely check that out. Uh, but she's going to be joining me for Exploring the X-Files, and we start recording this very weekend. So uh, new episodes of that coming soon uh, to Galactic Network. And I'm just going to tease this a little bit. Uh, I have another new project I'm working on that will be coming to Galactic Netcast in the near future. Just go over to Twitter and follow at SongStoryPod. I'm sorry, Song Stories Pod. Uh, it, and you'll see what's going on there. It's a lot of fun. So uh, check those two out, and I'd appreciate it. Awesome. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else. For more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to gncast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.